Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For information about the church, you can go to our website, connectionschurch.church, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Well, if you're not out of your turkey coma yet, then uh, I don't know that there's much hope for you. How many of you have seen enough of the old bird and ready to give it a break for a year and, and start again uh, next Thanksgiving? Not, not your wife, okay? I didn't mean that old bird. Come on, guys, really? Hope everyone's had a great Thanksgiving week, and uh, wow, it's been been kind of a blur. I know it has for many of you as you bounce from house to house and and eat and eat and eat and take a nap in between. So, uh, what a great time to rest and reflect and and certainly give thanks and. And uh, we are glad that you're here, and as Pastor Scott's already mentioned a couple times, uh, Merry Christmas season. We are so glad that you fought through the rain and the storms and the lightning. How many of you were awakened last night in the middle of the night with a big clap of thunder or two or some flashes of lightning, and you thought, man, it's December 1st. This stuff just needs to get on out the way, and, and, and let's have some, some calm, peaceful, light winter. No snow, right? Just maybe 50 degrees or so, and that would be that'd be plenty. So uh, anyway, so we never know what we get. We just we just work through it and, and make the best of it. But thank you all for coming. We have many people that are traveling back from being away this past week, so we pray for their safe travels. And as we uh, jump into this morning's message, we are kicking off our Christmas study entitled Unboxed. How many of you love Christmas morning? and you're able to just rip through the boxes and the packages and the presents that have your name on them and maybe somebody else's name, you just like opening, so you just go for whatever you find and, and seeing what's on the inside, right? Okay, two of us do. Nudge your neighbor, make sure they're awake. Okay, that's, that's better. You're, you're, you're looking good. We all love the thrill of opening opening up a box that has our name on it. We have no clue what's on the inside. Now, my sister, on the other hand, she was always notorious for not being able to wait until Christmas to see what she was getting. Any of you in the room like that? So she would make it her personal mission every year to find our gifts. And even if they were already boxed up and wrapped up and everything, she had this unique way of getting into the package through a side there to kind of un- undo the, the flaps and, and, and peek in there and see what, what she was getting. She could not take the weight. Me, on the other hand, she would come and say, brother, you want to know what, what you're getting for Christmas? I've already looked at mine and yours. I'm like, no, I want to be surprised. Man, we're, we're unboxing a lot of great things that God has promised to us this year, and, and, and I want you to, to take this journey with us as we begin this morning. And, and today we're starting with just that very thing, unboxing God's great promises to us. And if you haven't already, would you grab your handout and on the side that says at the top, notes, let me give you a little hint. That's where you can take notes, right? You can write some things down, follow along with us, fill in the blanks, but put down what God speaks to your heart today. And to start, I want to share some quotes on promises that I I found this week. And one says, a promise means everything, but once it's broken, sorry means nothing. Another one says, we live in a world built on promises constructed by liars, and how tragic that is. And another one goes, promises are worse than lies. And I love this. Listen to the rest of it. You don't just make people believe, you also make them hope. And it was the great Marilyn Monroe who is credited with that. People with good intentions make promises. Now now, now get this one. 
but people with good character keep them. How, how strong is that? And then lastly, I want to share, our future is as bright as the promises of God. Amen? Let's try that again. Amen? Amen. Our future is as bright as the promises of God. And we often think of promises when we, when we think of, of God himself. And after all, the Bible is full of promises. But right now during this Christmas season, I want us to think about God's promises in and through Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever. All of us have made or received promises, and those promises range all the way from promising to call somebody, yeah, I'll give you a holler this week, and, and we'll get together, I, I promise you. Maybe it doesn't happen, maybe it does. It, it, it ranges from that to promising to be faithful in marriage as you stand before God and gaze into each other's eyes and you promise for the rest of my life I'm going to love you and I'm going to be true to you. Some have kept it, some have not. Or promising to give your employer a full day's work for a fair wage. Let's just move on from that one. Okay, stores and products, they're great at making promises. You can, you can count on this, this weed eater. I promise you this thing is going to last you for 10 years at least. It, it's well built. It, it's, it's sturdy in design, and, and you're going you're gonna to get a lot of years of great service out of it, and two weeks later it's all to pieces because it's basically junk, right? Any of you ever been let down by an appliance? Something that you put a lot of faith in and, and it just didn't hold up? This day and time, isn't it amazing that whenever you buy something, they, they automatically ask you, would you like to buy the, the warranty with that? Back in my day, <laughs> it came automatically. You didn't have to pay extra for them to stand. And I've, I've actually had this conversation with these poor clerks. That, that's, it's not them doing it, but they're the ones that have to say it. I've had a conversation with them, and I've, I've asked this question. So you're basically telling me it's going to fall apart, right? That's what you're telling me, that I need to buy this extended warranty because what you're selling me right now for a whole lot of money is basically junk. So that's the conversation we're having, and that's, that's what you're, you're telling me in this, this moment in time, right? And they're looking at me like, I didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't do anything about the, the warranty. I'm just trained to ask you that. <laughs> Would you like to buy the extended warranty? I was like, no, 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 it's not your fault. I always kind of let them off the hook. But we have a lot of promises made to us. And truthfully, we make promises ourselves all the time, right? And some we keep and some we unfortunately break. And as we study God's word, we find that he has made all kinds of promises to us. But the wonderful thing about God is he never, ever, ever breaks a promise. He may delay in fulfilling a promise for, for a little bit of time at times, but he has never, ever broken a single one of the promises that he made. And, and the reason why is because simply 2 Peter 3, 9, the first part of that verse tells us these powerful words. The Lord is not slack concerning his what? The Lord is not slack. Now, we have kind of used that term uh, a lot here over the last 15, 20 years in calling people slack. I mean, they, they tell you, yeah, we're going to show up. We're going to help with this fundraiser. We're going to be there. We're going to show up. We're going to fix your house up. We're going to do this and stuff. And you never see them. They never show up. And after a, a little bit of time of them promising things and never delivering, you get to the point that you just look at them and say, man, you can't count on them. They are slack. You ever said that about somebody? Maybe just this week. But what I love about God's word here is that he reminds us in Peter's writing that I am not a man. I am not slack concerning my promises. And look at me, church, when he says that he's going to do something, when he declares a truth to us, when he speaks a word over us, for us, and to us, 
then here's the one thing that we can do. We can count on that with our very lives. Why? Because the the word of God also tells us that God is not a man that he would what? He would lie. So very simply, the first thing on your outline today is that God's record of promise keeping is perfect. And I can tell you this, it will continue to be so. So above everything else, please know that this Christmas and every moment in your life, you can count on God to be faithful to his promises. And in case you may be with us today in this room or outside of this room, listening or watching uh, later on or today or whenever, the Bible is full of promises to us and for us. As a matter of fact, studies have been done, research and and all that kind of stuff, and and, and they've concluded that there are over 5,000 promises How many of you would say with me, that's a lot? Over 5,000 promises that reveal God's eternal purposes to which he is unchangeably committed and which believers can totally depend upon these promises are are conditional upon our obedience to his word, i.e., simply this, we've got to just take him up on them and be obedient to what he is calling us to do in speaking over our lives. The Bible says that God's not going to change his mind. The Bible says that God's going to be faithful to us. The Bible says that we are the apple of his eye, that we're in the palm of his hand, and on and on and on and on and on. That he loves us with an everlasting love. Those are some, just a few, of the many, many thousands of promises. And the greatest promise of all that God has made to us is his promise of a Savior. Why? Because you know what happened in the garden, right? That bite of fruit cost us dearly. It brought sin into the picture. There was a brokenness in the relationship between us and God, between the man that he created and he loved so dearly that he desired to have a relationship with and our great God who is in heaven above and, and created all that is, is in this world. And when that was broken, automatically we needed a Savior. We needed a Redeemer, someone to come and rescue us from the brokenness of life. And almost a millennium and a half prior to the birth of Jesus, God began to give his people an enormous amount of specific information about Jesus' life and ministry. In his Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, J. Barton Payne itemized 127 messianic predictions involving more than 3,000 Bible verses with a remarkable 574 verses referring directly to a personal Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Those prophecies were related to Jesus coming into our world coming to rescue us, coming to save us. And basically, look at me, guys, that is the premise for every superhero movie and book and magazine that Hollywood puts out, that someone's in trouble, they need to be rescued, and what happens? Along comes a hero in a cape and some weird-looking outfit to go with it and saves the day. We're all saved but this is something far greater than Hollywood can produce. This is God sending his son and telling us thousands of years before it happened that I am going to send your hero to rescue you. In verse after verse, prophecy after prophecy, it's written that he's coming. The incredible promises form one of the most central themes 
of the Old Testament, the coming of Jesus. The word Messiah or anointing one or in the Greek Christ is taken from Psalm 2, verse 2, and Daniel 9, 25 and 26, where the term took its meaning from the Jewish practice of anointing their priests and kings. But this term was applied in a special sense to the future ruler who would be sent from God to sit on the throne of David forever. He is the one that God distinctly identified many years ahead of his arrival on earth. In Acts chapter 3, 18, it affirms by saying this, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Likewise, according to 1 Peter 1, 11, the Old Testament prophets predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Folks, the Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming was no secret at all. That's why those who studied the words of the prophets, those who studied the, the, the word of God up to that point in time were all not just looking, but, but get this and write this on your outline. They were longing for Jesus to come. Don't you love that? They had an earnest expectation. They were desiring that. They were hungry to see the Savior come, the one who would redeem us. They were longing for that because they had been promised that. Now, all of us in this room know what it is to have a promise made to us, and we get all excited about it. Could be as, as a child at Christmas time, and, and you, you send in your, your list of things that you would like to have, and, and on that list there is some special toy or gadget or gizmo or, or bike, as it used to be in our day and time. Kids don't even care about bikes anymore. Sit in the garage and rust and collect dust. And then you just donate them or throw them out on the curb after a couple years. But whatever that thing was that deep down inside you wanted, you longed for, you could not wait, you were expecting it, you were hungry to get it, you just, you just had to have it. Some of you ladies are hoping for that this year with a piece of jewelry that maybe you've requested or hinted around about for a while now, I don't know. Guys, if so, pay attention. Pay close attention or it might be bologna sandwiches for the next year for you, I don't know. But here's what I know that thousands of years Hundreds of times, the prophecies came that Jesus was coming, a Messiah, a Savior. And those who knew the Word of God, those who listened and paid attention, and that's the question for us today. Are we attuning our ears to what the Lord is saying to us? Because the same God that made these promises thousands of years ago about the coming of Christ, He's making them still today. If we have ears to hear. I just want to give you a few of the clues about this coming that was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Walk down just a few verses. In Genesis 3.15, we're told the Messiah would be the seed or the offspring of a woman and would crush the head of Satan. Doesn't that sound great? Romans 16.19 tells us that, that the, the God of peace would soon crush Satan where? Underneath our feet. There's a Bible scholar over there with me. I love that, that this Satan would be crushed. The seed of woman was going to come and take care of that job. In Genesis 12, 3, it says that Jesus would come from the seed or the offspring of Abraham and would bless all the nations of the earth. I love Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, where it says he would be a prophet like Moses to whom God said, we must listen to. In Micah 5, verse 2, said he would be born where? Oh, little town of where? Cherville? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Bethlehem of Judea would be the birthplace of the Messiah, and that was told hundreds of years before it actually took place. 
In Isaiah 7, 14, it says that he would be born of what? A virgin. What a miracle that is. I've not known a man, Mary exclaimed, when the angel told her the good news. How could this be? I don't know. It's all God, right? And that's exactly what took place. Love the words of 2 Samuel 7, 16, that, that this Messiah would have a throne, a kingdom, a dynasty, or a house, starting with King David, that would last for all of eternity. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it said, he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Some of us need that peace today desperately. I just can't help but to think that in this holiday season, some of you are just racked with turmoil and, and all kind of adversities coming at you. The enemy's got both barrels blazing at you, and you haven't found peace in so long, you don't even remember what it's like. But the Word of God says here, he's going to be the Prince of Peace, and whenever the Prince of Peace moves into our lives, guess what? He brings all the peace of heaven with him, and no matter what kind of hell rages against us, the Prince of Peace is going to overcome it all and rule in our lives. And we can walk through the flames and not be burned. We can go through the waters and not drown. Because that Prince of Peace is on board. I love the words of Isaiah 53, 5. He would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And in verse 9 of, of, of that same chapter, he would die among the wicked ones, but be buried with the rich. And in Psalm 16.10, he would be resurrected from the grave, for God would not allow his Holy One to suffer decay. Daniel 7.13 and 14, he would come again from the clouds of heaven as the Son of Man. Malachi 4.2, he would be the Son of Righteousness for all who would revere him and look for his coming again. In Zechariah 12.10, and I'll stop there with this one, he is the one whom Israel will one day recognize as the one they pierced causing bitter grief. These have already happened. These have already come to pass, church. Our Savior Jesus came as a babe in a manger, and that's what we celebrate every year at this time. And if you know what's what, then you celebrate it every day of your life. Amen? That he came as that babe in the manger, that he lived for 33 years as a man. And he died on the cross, and he was raised on the third day. That's what we celebrate in the springtime that we call Easter celebration. The resurrection of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The grave couldn't hold. We declared that in song just a few minutes ago. Those have already happened. All I got to say to you now is, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Don't you love when those commercials promise you more? You can order these for $19.95, shipping included, but wait, there's more. Hold your horses. We got better for you coming. If you act right now, we'll throw another one in. Shipping too. We'll just give you all of it. You can have our whole store for $19.95 if you call us this very second. I mean, some of them get a little carried away. You got to be careful. There is more because... This same Jesus that was promised to come, to live, to die, to raise again. The Bible tells me in John chapter 15, his words from his own lips, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Woo! Man, don't that sound great? I am going, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. And if I go to that place, then here's the rest of it. You better believe I'm going to come back and get you and take you where I am. That where I am, there you shall also be with me. See, there is more. And this is prophesied all throughout God's word as well. 
That he's not just going to come and rescue us and be the redeemer and cleanse us and wash us from all of our our sinfulness, iniquity. That he's not just going to come and give us new life here on this earth, but he's coming back again one day, that one glorious day we sing about and we read about in God's word when the, the father's going to tap the son on the shoulder and say, go get our kids. What's going to happen is the eastern sky is going to break apart like a flash of lightning you've never seen. And out on the clouds is going to step Jesus. And that trumpet's going to blow. And whoop, we're going home to that place that he's preparing now and that he promised would be ours. So the more is definitely worth the wait. You can rest assured, just like I can, that God will keep every one of those promises. Here's the thing I'm encouraging us to do today. Take him up on those promises. Make them yours. Because it's great to have all these promises out there. But if you don't take advantage, if you don't grab them, if you don't make them your own, if you don't weigh those promises as more important than everything else in life and say, you are my priority, your promises are my everything. God, I want to live first and foremost to please you, to honor you, to glorify you. That hobby that I have, that career that I'm building, that, that desire, that whatever it is in this world does not equate, come even close to the glory of being with you for eternity. So God, I am going to stake everything. I'm going to push it all into the middle of the table. For you poker players here, and you might need to come down and pray real quick. I don't know, but I'm going all in, God. I'm pushing it all to the center of the table because none of it even comes close to who you are. God, I'm cashing it all in to live on your promises. And the Bible tells us specifically, those who hope in the Lord will never be disappointed. We know about disappointment. If you've been with us for a long, long time here at Connections, I'm talking 10 or 11 years way back when we started. Told the story of a family member who bought me a gift at Christmas. I mean, she was always buying some great gifts. She came in with a handful of gifts at Granny's house, and she plopped them down. And you know, while the adults were in there, eating and laughing and talking, we would be in the bedroom around a little Christmas tree kind of snooping. Of course, my sister would be opening stuff. You know how that is. She, you know, I've told you about that. But I'd just kind of be looking to see where my name was on package. You know, them little bitty packages had your name on it. You was always like, man, that can't be anything good. But when you saw one of them big boxes like this, you was like, yeah, it's big. There's got to be something good in there. Look how big it is. I mean, come on, right? Big equates good. So, man, it was a big, big package with, with my name on it from, from her. And I shall not name the name. Somebody, family might be watching this later and be like, wow. So the anticipation just began to build and grow. And, man, I was all excited. And you, oh, I couldn't wait. And, and finally, they were finished eating. And finally, they took a break and they're talking. And finally, it was time. Oh, yeah, let's open up some gifts. The kids are chomping at the bit. So we went in there and. Woo, we opened those gifts up, and man, I was saving, you know, you saved the big one, what? For last. Because, boy, it's just churning inside. I can't wait. It's got to be big. It's got to be something good. 
All of them were open except that big one. Man, I started tearing into the paper and ripping it apart. And it was a big, big box. Big old box. Didn't have any writing on it that made any sense to me. But I knew whatever it was inside that box had to be good because the box was what? It was a big box. Man, I opened that sucker up. I must have been like 10 or 11 at this time. You know how it is at that age. You're like kind of cool. You kind of start to know everything. You kind of feel like you need to, you know, rift into that box. Man, reached down in there and pulled it out. It was a big book on birds. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. You know me. I mean, really, I, do you? I don't care anything about birds. I shoot them with a BB gun. I'm just kidding. Maybe a couple times and I didn't know what I was doing. Forgive me, Lord, for the bird. The Bible says that we who put our hope in the Lord will not be what? We've all tasted disappointment and it doesn't taste great. And I should have been thankful for my bird book, but I wasn't. I was pretty disappointed. But what I want to encourage us once again, as I mentioned a moment ago, to do, as Pastor Scott beautifully reminded us, the shopping, the festivities, the decorating. We, we decided to keep it simple this year, and, and we got a, a simple tree, you know, one of those car freshener, air freshener trees. that We haven't decorated yet, but we got it set up finally yesterday. So I'm just kidding. Keep it, keep it simple, but... Press into the things that really matter this Christmas. And at the top of the list is the promises of God that will never disappoint and never let us down. And, and as we finish up for just the next couple of minutes, I want to do so by kind of bringing this down to a personal place. What about when, number three on your outline, when God makes these personal, seemingly impossible promises to us, and I'm just kind of kind of skim through Luke chapter one verses 26 through 47. We're not going to read all those by no means, but your homework would be to go and read that this week because the very nature of God's promises are really outside the realm of human possibility. Uh, think about that. It's basically, if you want to translate it, South Gastonian, it's stuff we can't do ourselves, but God sure can somehow, some way. He spoke, whoo, and the world was here. I mean, he created man from the dust of the, of the, of the earth, and, and, and here we are. I know some of you don't think we're much more than that now, but here we are in all our grandeur and glory. I mean, those are the kind of things you think, that, that doesn't seem possible. How does that happen? And here we find the account of Mary, this precious young lady, this, this woman who was betrothed to be married to Joseph. And in that day and time, it meant something. It meant you kept yourself completely pure and you, you kept yourself until the day of the wedding and the, the culmination of that, that marriage union and, and you, you did some things and you honored the covenant. You, you really cared about what it meant, unlike so much today that goes on. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up and it's the angel Gabriel and he speaks to Mary and he says, hey, I got some exciting news for you. You have been chosen by God to bring the Messiah into the world as you know it. Now think about that. I mean, that's just something that would kind of just blow you off your off your, your rocker a little bit. Is that not right? 
I mean, how can this be? And that was one of the first questions. Yeah, how can this be since I've not known a man that I haven't been intimate with a man in that way that, that creates life and brings forth babies and, and I've kept myself pure for my, my husband to be Joseph? How can this be? And I love that the Bible says the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and boom, you're going to be pregnant with Jesus. Isn't that what we would probably respond? I mean, how, how is this going to happen? God, I don't understand it. But that's the personal, seemingly impossible promise that, that God made to this young woman over 2,000 years ago. I, I love that, that his promises sometimes, many times, most of the time, probably all the time, Seems so overwhelming, so impossible. Years ago, God made a promise to, to this older guy here, right here in front of you and said, guess what? I'm going to use you to plant a church. It's going to be called Connections. And I'm going to do amazing things in and through that church. You haven't even begun to even dream about or desire or understand or even know. I was like, God, how can this be? I'm an outcast. You know what I've been through. You know what, what kind of stuff's happened to me. You know I'm, I'm ready to throw in the towel. But God said, don't give up on what I am putting in your life as the dream. What I am promising you as, as, as my child, don't give up on that. Don't, don't throw it to the side. Trust me and believe me. And I love that. That's exactly what we find happened with Mary. God promised to interrupt Mary's life. And I want you to know why he did that. And I want you to write this down somewhere. If it's not on your outline, it's because he loved her. And yes, it is there on your outline. Because he loved her. You're thinking, man, that's a weird way to show your love. No, it's not. Think about the care that he had. Think about the, the understanding that he had of who Mary was and that, that he knew she was just right for the job. And think about this, that whatever God speaks to your heart, whatever he's challenging you in your life, guess what? He thinks that you're just right for that assignment. He knows who you are. He knows what's inside. He knows the person that you are because he made you and he knows that the great things he has planned just for you are there because of his great love just for you. And it may not be to, to bring Christ into the world as, as she did, but guess what? It's to bring Christ into your world just as you can when you have him residing in you, when you take him up on the promise, when you understand that he loves you and me just as much as he loves Mary and Joseph and those shepherds on the hillside. He speaks those kinds of promises to us that when we first hear him, it's like, whoa, are you kidding me? How in the world? I don't, I don't know. That's where he loves to put us. In that position where it takes faith to just say, God, I don't know how, but you do, and I'm going to grab a hold of it. With all the faith I can muster. And I love the right response to the impossible promises of God. And I've put them there in your outline as we finish this right now. It's three different phases of it. And the first one is simply this, to go and see. As soon as she got word, the Bible tells us she immediately leaves Nazareth and journeys to the hill country of Judea. The route she took was probably the same route that Joseph would take her with her in just nine, just nine short months later. In fact, she would have traveled through Bethlehem to get to Hebron, the city given to the priestly families which Zacharias and Elizabeth were a part of, her cousin Elizabeth 
who was also pregnant at that time with, with whom? John the Baptist, the wild man wearing camel hair and eating locusts and honey. Woo! That man who was the forerunner of Christ who went out preaching, be ready, the one who was promised is on the way. Make yourselves ready to receive the Messiah. What a message. That's a message we all should be preaching. Jesus is here. She went to see her cousin Elizabeth, and the Bible tells us in this account that as soon as she walked in the door, what happened in Elizabeth? That the baby leaped inside her womb. Why? Because Jesus walked in the door in Mary. Don't you love that? What I love is that she went, she went to go and she went to see what God was doing. God makes an impossible promise to us, one that seems to be against all odds, that, that, that faith will not let us stay still when he makes it. Some scholars have said that it's quite possible that Jesus entered into her womb on that trip or when she arrived at Elizabeth's house, possibly. I'm not here to say conclusively he did, he didn't. I don't know. But here's what I know. When she got word from the angel, the Bible says she got up and she went to Elizabeth's house. She had to go and she had to see What about us? God's speaking to all of us. Here's the, the lesson I get from this. Don't sit still. When God brings a promise, don't sit still. Get up and go wherever God calls you to move towards. Go, 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 go. Secondly, go and receive. The Bible says she comes in the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth and calls out a greeting. As I mentioned a moment ago, John the Baptist, he, he leapt in his mother's womb and and, and she went, and I believe, in that trip somewhere. Because we know the angel made the, the proclamation, and then just right after that, somehow, some way, she became pregnant with Jesus. She was carrying him in her womb. So whenever you get up and go, what happens is this. Somewhere along the journey, you receive. That seed gets planted inside of you. That, that reality begins to take root inside of you. Why? Because you've acted on that. You've said, as she said, let it be unto me just as you've said. And what happens in is God begins to do the miraculous inside of us and through us because of the faith steps that we make. Because we get up and go. And we get up and receive. And then lastly, we go and proclaim she, ex she expressed in, in her words in, in verses 46 and 7, my soul exalts, it magnifies the Lord, and my spirit is rejoicing greatly in God, my Savior. Don't you love that? There's going to be a response whenever God promises and delivers on that, that promise. Is that not the truth? I mean, tell me. Is that not the truth? Whenever God delivers, there's going to be something that comes out of us in the form of some verbal ex exclamation that, that hey, Look what God's doing. I'm rejoicing in this. It's got to be God. No other way to explain it. There's no human possibility of making this happen except God showed up and he worked a miracle in my life, just as he said. I love that. When an impossible promise of God has been given to us and faith is awakened in us, revealing to us the thirst for knowing Jesus and knowing his forgiveness and his eternal life that he has promised and delivered on, then you will want to get up and go see. And that next step of obedience in this is to go and receive that which confirms and fills you in the Holy Spirit, and then you desire, you have that desire to go and proclaim the, the works of God themselves. 
Go and proclaim what, you might ask. You proclaim that which you hadn't seen before. Is that not true? When you put something under a microscope, what happens? Does it change the size of that something? No, it doesn't change the size of it. It changes how we see it. Look at me and put your stuff aside right now just for a minute as we, we finish this. What we want to do every day of our lives is put Jesus under that microscope so that we can see the vastness of who he is, the greatness of his promises, the power to deliver own said promises. We want to magnify that in our lives. We want everything else to just grow, grow dimmer and dimmer and smaller and smaller so that what we see is the beauty and the magnificence and the majesty of our King of kings and Lord of lords that came on that Bethlehem night. Let everything else fade to the background and let God and his promises grow and grow and grow in us. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? As you do that, I really believe in my heart that the promises of God have been ringing in your hearts and in your lives for so long now, many of you. You've been pushing away. You've been rejecting. You've been running. You've been dormant. I, I don't know. But the greatest promise of all that I mentioned just, just a few moments ago is the promise of salvation. Purpose for life. Everything begins to make sense. Redemption from the sins and iniquities and junk of this world. The poison and the pollution of this world that we dwell in is, is all just cleansed and washed away. You may be in this room right now or outside of it and hearing this or watching this, and I just ask right now, if that's the promise that you need to grab a hold of as your own this morning, right now, whenever it is you're listening to this, would you just raise your hand up? If you're in this room, if you're outside of it, would you just bow your heads and say, Jesus, I need you to come and save me. I need you to come and rescue me. I need you to be my hero of heroes. If you're in this room, thank you, ma'am. Who else would just raise your hand in this room? If that's you, yes. Anybody else along with these two? Any, anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Let me ask this question. If, 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 if the promises that God has spoken to you and challenged you with might be something along the lines of, hey, I'm going to do this new thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to birth this ministry in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause you to step out and, and be a lighthouse in your world. Whatever that looks like, I don't know, but you do because it's been stirring in there for quite some time. And you've been questioning. You've been afraid. You've been running. You've been pushing it to the side and saying, God, that, that's not for me. It's got to be for somebody else. I'm not that guy. I'm not that lady. But God is reminding you. He's speaking to you right now, strongly saying, it is you. It is you. I'm speaking directly to you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and acknowledge that and say, I surrender to you and your promises. I want that in my life. I am tired of running from it. God, I'm running to it. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else just raise your hands right now and join these that say, yes, that's me, a young, old, middle-aged, wherever you're at in life, God still speaks today, no matter what age or stage of life we're in. Is that anyone else that would join these and say, yes, yes, thank you. Any others? Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to stand to your feet for just a moment. And I want you to find at least three or four other people to just 
make a prayer circle with around you. You don't know who you're linking up with, if it's somebody raised a hand or not, but I know there's about eight people in here that said something with a raised hand along the lines of making God's promises theirs in a very real and powerful way. So would you just form circles? I mean, get in people's face and, and, and you know what a circle is. We learned that in kindergarten. I mean, that's, that's pretty simple. And take their hand in your hand and we're going to have prayer groups all around this sanctuary this morning. And then we're going to sing out a song for Jesus and then we're going to have Scott come and dismiss us in just a moment. But before we do any of that, make those promises that God's speaking to you and over you and for you, yours today through the power of his Holy Spirit coming in you and upon you just as he did with Mary. And Father, we thank you for that. That you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That Lord, as you played out the coming of Christ the first time with his birth to a virgin in a city called Bethlehem, God, that little town, Lord, as you played all that out perfectly over 2,000 years ago, you're playing out perfectly the destiny and the promises and the seed and the purposes that you are planting into us today. For those who said, I need Jesus, I need him to come and save me and rescue me right now, God, as they call out to you right now, as they open up their hearts and lives, God, you flood in, you rescue them, Lord, you, you redeem them just as you came to do, God. Thank you for surrender. Thank you for your salvation today, God. And for those, Lord, who are saying, God, I need to stand on those promises. I need to grab those promises you are speaking to my life. Maybe they've been running a while. Maybe it's just started stirring in the last couple of days. I don't know, but you know. And Lord, right now, you're able to heal, redeem, renew, birth, ministry, plans, purposes, whatever it is, God. You're accomplishing that right now. And Lord, I just want to pray in the final part of this prayer for those that are hurting here at the holidays. We don't want to forget those, God. As much excitement and purpose and love as there is that we celebrate, and that's exactly what we celebrate, your love coming in the form of this promise of salvation and redemption and purpose and, and all the good things you bring. Lord, a part of that love is to heal. Heal the brokenhearted. And right now, God, there are many in this room and outside of this room that are struggling with just that thing, a broken heart, God. Things have went terribly wrong in some situations, Lord. But God, we don't put our eyes or our focus on that stuff. We choose to look to you, our healer today, and trust in your great power to come and restore and renew and bring miracles where there's been hurt. God, thank you for that today. Thank you for all your love. And we declare that we stand on your promises today and forevermore in Jesus' name. Let's sing it out, church. He is worthy of all of our praise. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.